This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Consignment Heroes, heard Sunday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Consignment Heroes, heard Sunday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. How to sell your stuff. How to get rid of stuff. Paul Kenny and his son Bogart from Storage Wars Canada are about to unlock the secrets to stuff on Zoomer Radio. What sort of value do they put on your stuff? That depends on how well you sell it as we begin taking your calls on Consignment Heroes, the one-hour phone-in show all about stuff. Good afternoon. We are live, and our phone lines are open. If you have a question about a rare or interesting item you own, maybe it's been an heirloom uh, in your family for decades, you're curious about its real-time market value, no matter how obscure, we've got an expert who can handle your call. Uh, Maybe you have a coin collection, a card collection, who knows? Paul Kenny and his son Bogart have found fame and fortune dealing in other people's stuff, specifically identifying value that other people overlook. Maybe it's an old plate set, an old silverware set. Who knows? You can call this show right now and find out what your items might be worth. Our number is... 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. If you're out of town, we have a toll-free 1-800 number for you. That's 1-866-740-4740. That's 1-866-740-4740. So whether you have gold or silver, coins in each, fine china, figurines, sports cards, memorabilia, antiques, maybe you got an old TV or radio or record player, you're curious if it's worth any money, uh, radios, toys, jewelry, coins, whatever you have, you can call the show and get a real-time market value of what it might be worth. Uh, the star of the show, as mentioned, is Paul Kenny. He is not at the Zoomerplex. He is live on location at the Sports Cards Expo at the International Center near the airport. You've had a busy weekend. How are you, man? Oh, it's been crazy here. I just sold an unopened box of hockey cards for $3,675. To who? Tell me more about this. It was a 1970s um, hockey card box. They've been unopened. Someone has left them. Like, like you went to your variety store and you saw the packs in there. Someone had an unopened box saved from 1970s. Wow. So, so that's a, and actually it's been a crazy weekend. I sold um, an old comic book at a, at a sports card show. I sold it for $4,000. Tell me and about this comic book. How is a comic book worth $4,000? Well, and it wasn't even in nice shape. It had been water damaged. It was a Tales of Suspense 39, the first Iron Man. Everyone's seen those Iron Man movies on TV with Robert Downey Jr. Well, everyone's starting to collect that kind of stuff. You know, for the, there's been a resurgence in people collecting the comic books, especially if something is TV-related or movie-related, like the Avengers movie, mm. Infinity War. For this Iron Man, this is, it was his first appearance. One just sold recently just for about, about $100,000, but mine wasn't in that kind of shape. It's only worth about $4,000, so I'm still happy. And talk about crazy days. Bogart almost got an accident. You know how they have that... that um, in Toronto, they have that marathon. Yes. And you know how you go to the movie and you see the person giving birth in the back of a taxi cab? I've, I've heard stories, rumblings, and rumors throughout the building this morning of what's going on with Bogart and his family right now. Yes. He's on his way down there. So what is the story? So how does, it, how does this all break down? 
Well, no, her um, water broke this morning. His wife, uh, yeah, pregnant, going into labor right now. And they picked a spot downtown at a birthing center, so they had to go, I think, going downtown through all this marathon stuff that's going on. <laughs> so it's like, holy cow, what a day. And I'm here at the show, and so Bogart's not helping me, so I'm here by myself. So I enlisted a friend of mine to look, look at my booth while I'm just wandering around and not making money. Well, who knows? I've you know, enough money already. It's okay. By the end of the hour, you might be a, you'd be a three-time grandfather, right? Oh, I'm, you know something? I'm smiling. There's nothing can happen right now. Take this smile away from my face. <laughs> That's the best way to put No, you just it's just a feeling that it never, ever, ever gets old. That's the only way to put it. Being a grandfather just doesn't get old. I want to hear more about the Sports Card Expo right now happening at the International Center. It's been going all weekend. This is the final day. Uh, Paul yep. Kenny's there live on location. You know him from Storage Wars Canada and TV's uh, in Northern Treasures, which is on A&E, now doing reruns. Uh, yep. You guys also have a store. I should let people know if they have a, a collection or something they want to get appraised or valued or consigned to your store. The store is located at 10,341 Young Street. That's 10,341 Young Street, so right on Young Street in Richmond Hill just north of Major McKenzie. If you have a rare, interesting item or a collection or you're curious about the value of something, you can call right now to the radio station. That phone number is 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. At the Sports Card Expo, you guys had some pretty big uh, big names showing up to do an autograph session. Did you meet any of these people? No, no, I was too busy. I mean, this, with all the kind of the fans of Zuma Radio coming in and all the fans of the, the TV show coming in, plus all the people who was there, I've been, let's put this, I got home last night. I was asleep within 20 minutes of being home. Okay. Wait, so Joe Montana tired. didn't come over to your booth and say, oh my God, you're Paul Kenny. I'd like to give you my autograph. No, I didn't. I didn't. And I want to see. I just want to. I couldn't even get out there. Bobby Orr was here at 3 o'clock yesterday. And today we've got uh, Jack Morris, who pitched in Toronto. And uh, the Rock Tim Raines is here. Uh, Winfield is here. So, I mean, it's not too late for people to come out here and just enjoy the, the whole ambience of it. It's like there's just 200 dealers. There is any kind of sports cards you could possibly want. But you know what I've been selling is mainly the oddball stuff. You know, the stuff that's not a sports card, but it's memorabilia. People try to recapture their childhood at vastly inflated prices. Well, you were saying at a card expo you sold a comic book. What's another, you mean like curiosity stuff, like collectibles, yeah. or like not related to sporting events at all? Not related at all. I sold some action figures. I sold, um, uh, you know what? This way, I talk about this on this show a lot, about the things that people don't plan on saving. One of the things that came in, I had a Captain Crunch giveaway. Remember the... Captain Crunch, uh, the, the cereal? cereal? Yeah, okay. Yes. So back in 1960s, you would have had to send a quarter in, and they send you back some kind of a playset in the original envelope. Well, that sold for $400. Okay? What, 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 what was it, though? Like, what, what did they actually send you in the mail? An action figure uh, of Captain of, Crunch? Couple, no, a couple of decals. Um, part of the Captain Crunch uh, uh, Collector Club, um, you know, just things like that. It's, it's things. So someone, these are things people throw away. Or as a kid, you open the envelope and you started drawing on the pictures and you would tear it apart, use the decals, put them on your hand, you know, that stuff. This one was intact. No one ever did anything with it. It's unbelievable. As a, a lot of those, the food stuffs and the giveaway, like cereal and Jello. I can't yeah. believe the resale market for some of these things. You you tell people all the time, if you go into an old cupboard and you have to happen to find an old box of Jello or granola bars or even a peanut butter jar, do not throw it out. Pe there is a, a surging market for those things. 
Well, that's a, we were in this house. A lot of action figures. You know the toy figures that from the seventies, the rubber ones and the little plastic ones. People are going crazy for that kind of stuff. You know, they're trying to get it. They can't afford the ten thousand dollar comic book, so they're getting the ten. You know, the twenty five dollar Iron Man figure. That type of thing. But this is what we do. This is why I try and tell people is that their Royal Domes are not, they're worth, they're not as worth as much as they paid for them. They can still get money for them. But people are trying to collect pulp, pop culture, as I call it. Mm. And that's what I'm also an expert on. Okay. We also know the China and glass. And we do sell it for people. I bought, I bought a bunch of Royal Domes this week as well already. Interesting. You know? But it's been one of those type of weeks where this, this show is dominating part of it. And we, I forgot about this other thing. Isn't next week Mother's Day? Next week is Mother's Day, yes. I believe. Well, I'm, is it the second I'm, Sunday in May? Yes. Yeah. So I want people going out to uh, my friends over at Clappison's Corners. I want them going over to uh, Houseworks Antique Mall. And this is the perfect time. If, if you're the mother who's going to be bought for, you should be laying hints on the ground right now and just say, take me to uh, Southworks. And we'll, we'll, you'll be able to find my perfect gift there. You're saying, fine, don't buy the vase from a place like Ikea. Not that they're terrible, but buy something old and quality. Yes. And, and you know something? And a lot of times, it's actually less money. You can buy quality product. Made, this is a event, live TV show, and we've got it right next to the airport. What's happening? <laughs> Are you still dealing with customers while doing this show? Oh no! I've got I've got I've got three customers waiting at my booth. Okay. I just said uh, um, they want they're they're difficult. They want to haggle. I hate haggling. I always put, that's I part always of the fun. You have to embrace that. Well, I always say my prices are pre-haggled to save us both time and money. Oh, but that's but people guy, want to feel like they're getting a deal. You should build in an extra five percent just so people can feel you know like they worked you over. It's funny you say that. I had a picture in my store. I shouldn't say this, but I was trying to sell it for two hundred dollars. So I came here knowing I had to haggle. So I started at 800 and the guy got me down to five. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, listen, uh, phone lines are open for anyone out there who's got a, a question about uh, an interesting collection or item that they have. What is it worth? I want to go to the phone lines right now. Stanley in Toronto will be our first caller. And uh, if you're one of these people and you're curious about uh, what it takes to move uh, old item or vintage stuff and how to do it, you can give us a call right now, 416-360-0740. Stanley, how are you? Fine, thank you. Good afternoon. Von um, I have a stamp. I'm fine. I'm just jazzing around town a little bit. I have a stamp from uh, Malta. Uh, not Malta, no, Gibraltar, rather. It's red, and it has a, a mark across it, a stamp in print that says something, and it's from 1948. Okay. Any stamps? People bring in stamps. Okay, if I talk to Bogart and I ask him if he's ever mailed a letter, he's going to say, what's that? Okay. <laughs> it was the letter, yeah, it is today, yeah. I'm 75, this is why. So this is the problem, though, with part of this. This collectible, there's no new collectors coming into the market. This is on this TV, on this radio show, I'm trying to say that as well. You have to almost anticipate the future, okay? Yeah. So Gibraltar, I don't even know if they, they're probably still called Gibraltar. Yeah, it has to. Oh, it's all they're hassling over. The, the Queen of England spent her most happy times there with her new... Yeah, no, but the problem is that the kids aren't collecting stamps. They haven't mailed. There's no new collectors coming into the market. And what's happening is because of that, the very top stamps are, yes, they're going up in value. But most of the stamps, someone buys a stamp collection for, uh, out of the 1960s for uh, $200. It's worth $50 today. So if it had been worth $500 today, then people are encouraged and they'll buy more stamps. 
You understand what I'm saying? I think so, yeah. So they're killing their own market on this. Like there is no market. They, there has to be a market for something to be sold. There has to be a vendor yeah. and a uh, buyer. It oh, looks like it, it's owned by its end user right now, Stanley. I think that's you, unfortunately. But, but I mean, yeah. at a stamp market or a stamp expo, I guess, maybe, you'd have some better luck? There is stamp shows out there, and we have our guy who comes in, because people do have some collections, and they might have 10,000 stamps, and two or three of them are worth money. And we point out which ones they are so they don't get ripped off of those stamps. Most of them might be worth a dollar or 50 cents or whatever they're worth, and they might have one $500 stamp in there. Because there are still some people collecting the rare of the rare. And the way to get those is to have an awful lot of stamps and hope to get lucky. It's like a lottery ticket. And, Paul, you say generally like stamps that, that are generally valuable are pre-World War One era, right? Yeah. 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 So if 48 is even after World War Two, I mean, it, it might have a collector market, but you're saying the, the likelihood that it's got a, uh, you know, a basement of $300 minimum is very low. Yeah. But and you have a stamp have expert at your store. So, Stanley, if you're curious about it and you want to, to cash out enough to maybe get yourself a medium pizza... Drop by the store at 10,341 <laughs> Young Street. You never know. It might be a lottery win, but generally this, this happens yeah. a lot. Yeah, you're saying that stamp collections are usually to be enjoyed on the spot. It'd be like being having a bubby, buggy whip collection. A what? I mean, there are no, a buggy whip collection. I, that no that sounds like a stronger market, actually, a buggy whip. Okay. Uh, our next caller is Barbara, and if you would like to talk to Paul and you have a, a, an interesting item or collection or question about an item that you own, our number is 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. Barbara, how are you? Hello. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. How are you? Great. What do you have? Um, I have two items that I'm curious about. Um, they're very pretty. They belong to my parents, so they have sentimental value, and I'm just holding on to them. But okay. a friend actually said that they're very valuable. So I don't okay. know. One is um, it's a green color, and it's about a foot and a half. It's a vase. And okay. what makes it unique is on the front of it is it looks like a leaping ram, or a leaping, well, it's not a unicorn. It's got two horns. I think it's called like a leaping deer. 1960. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a cream colored, and it's like a deer or a lamp. It's kind of a 3D comes off of it. Um, it's 19, probably, it sounds like a 1960s vase. They're still, they are coming back in vogue right now because people are trying to recapture and decorate their homes or new condos in, in vintage. And what they're calling vintage is mid-century modern. And excuse and, me, it says on the bottom, Royal, it looks like HAL, H-A-L-C, and it says 106, and it's imprinted okay. on there. Okay, but it's about a foot and a half tall? Yes. Kind of a, not a, is it not like a bone chine, it's almost like an earthenware? Uh, yes. Kind of a, yes, that sounds like this, what I'm describing here. They sell between 50 and $65 in pairs. Singly, they're hard to sell. Oh. But in pairs, they will sell. And they did an awful lot of things, like you'll have the um, um, Black Moors. They had, uh, uh, there's a number of things that are, they were done just as decoration. And if it wasn't for this resurgence, uh, five years ago, you could have bought them for nothing at a garage sale. But now people are starting to collect them now. And they're starting to look around for them. So wait a you're second, sure. Paul. You're yeah. suggesting that these are sold in pairs because they were, uh, or they they were sold in pairs. So where is yeah. the other one, Barbara? I don't know. My parents only had one, and now I have the one. 
I also find it's remarkable that you were able to over the phone with a brief description of the size and image that you know this vase. I mean, that's wild stuff. Anyway, so Barbara, um, you got to find this other vase. (laughs) Yeah. What if I cannot? It'll still be worth money because someone else is looking for the other half of their pair. How's that? Oh. And they're willing to buy. They'll probably sell for fifteen to twenty dollars. They're always it's like lamps. A lot of things are better sold in pairs. It always amazes me when someone says they want to just sell one of a pair because a pair is always worth more than the singles together. Okay. Okay. What is this vase? Why would you need two though? I don't understand. Like lamps, I understand for either size of a couch, but they they hold flowers. What is this thing? Yep. And the leaping vases, the, the leaping animals leap towards each other. That's what makes them symmetrical. Yes, I can ah. see that. That makes sense. It would look very okay. pretty. All right, Barbara, yep. you've got a mission. Um, you've got to scour that house and find the other one. Thank you. <laughs> the second question I have is, um, I have this fruit bowl, and it's footed. So it has, um, I believe, it's uh, across the room. It's not right in front of me. It's like a purple and blue glass. Iridescent, 1970s Indiana. It's probably 8 inches wide, 12 inches long, footed with an embossed flowers or berries on the outside. Uh, no, not. I uh, don't think it's embossed with any berries emb- or anything. No. Okay. Just, just ribbed? Yes, ribbed. Yeah, ribbed. 1970s Indiana glass. It's, um, wow. They were re- coming to try and bring back carnival glass, which is very popular in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. You remember that iridescent glass where all they would do was add an acid to the glass? Mm-hmm. So, and it made it like kind of iridescent. Right, that's and exactly right. Yes. It's amazing now, you know what I'm talking about. It's impressive. Yes. Yeah, Paul, you're a total freak. I mean, is anyone else listening to this? This is crazy. Brief description over the phone, you can say where it's made and how it was made. This is wild. Yes. Yeah. But the best story is that this carnival glass, the reason to call it carnival glass, it used to be giveaways at the carnival. Wow. If you hit the donkey four times in the head with your with your beanbag, you got one of these bowls. Wow. And everyone, the thing about glass is glass is just sand and water, okay? When they run out of sand and water, we'll stop having glass. It's very cheap to make. But when they put this iridescent look on it, they, made, they used to make it like it was worth a lot more. Then what happened, because it was cheap glass, given away at the carnivals, and then, started, and then they started, well, we've got a winner here. We'll start selling this. People start collecting it. And now we're, then they start collecting in the 1960s and 70s, mm-hmm. and it started going up in price. Mm-hmm. Then it started going up in price, and we said we can reproduce this glass, which is what they were doing. So that's what you have, okay? Oh. So it's a repop, but is it still desirable? Is there a market for oh, this? yeah. They sell for $15, $20. It's nice stuff. And it, it, you put this in the middle of the room with the sunlight coming in, it'll take over the room. How's that? Oh, <laughs> thank you. And you can't go and buy one of these big box stores, Okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. But you will be able to buy it at Southworks Antique Mall. How's that? Oh. Oh, nice work in, Paul. Nice work in. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Barbara, thank you so much for your phone call. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You're listening you to too. Consignment Heroes on Zoomer Radio. We are live both here at the Zoomerplex and on location. Paul Kenny, our show's expert, he is at the Sports Card Memorabilia uh, Expo, which is happening at the International Center uh, all this weekend. He's here taking your calls. If you have a rare, interesting item, you're curious about its value, maybe it's an heirloom that's been sitting in your basement or garage for decades, you can call right now, and uh, Paul seems to have an uncanny ability to identify things like vases, plates, silverware, from wherever they come from, whatever century. 
Uh, so whether you have gold, silver, fine china, figurines, sports cards, other memorabilia, maybe autographs, antique televisions, record players, radios, toys, jewelry, coins, whatever it is, if you're curious about its value, you can call in right now and get a free real-time market assessment. Our number is 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. Estates have a sentimental value and a real value. Which one do you think sells? An estate appraisal by Toronto Gold, Silver and Coins is valued for the honesty and experience of Paul and Bogart, who always arrive with three options. They'll buy it from you, sell it for you, or tell you what the estate is worth. And their live online auction, held every month, is a great way to sell on consignment. Need an estate appraised? There's really only one choice. Call 905-737-GOLD. Southworks Antiques, one of Canada's best antique malls, just got better by moving to a better location. Across the Grand River in Cambridge at 73 Water Street proudly stands the new Southworks Antiques. 25,000 square feet of antiques and nostalgia with an intriguing history for sale by over 100 vendors. Visit southworksantiques.com for directions. Then park free and check it out. It's a new beginning for a lot of old stuff at Southworks Antiques in Cambridge. Open every day of the year. Welcome back to Consignment Heroes. We're live this cloudy Sunday afternoon. Paul Kenny is at the Sports Card Expo at the International Center. You're still there? Were you able to deal with some customers in the break there? Oh, yes. I just sold them the $300. What, what did you sell? Just some sport cards and uh, actually one card mainly. It's a, what they call a short print. When someone's got their... Every day I thank God for completists. The guy who's got one, two, three, four, missing number five. Today I had his number five. Nice. That's the best way to put it. And he needs that to complete his set. Beautiful. I think it's a wonderful hobby. <laughs> uh, back to the phone lines. I want to get to Lewis in Toronto. He's got a question about some figurines. Lewis, how are you? Did they? Hey, Lewis, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. And what do you have? Um, T, uh, what do you call it? Um, the, um, the Royal Doll. No, no, no. Sorry, Red, 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 Red Rose. Um, Figurines, especially the nursery okay. rhyme ones. Now, these are the T-figures, but about 1962, 63. They're about an inch tall. About an inch tall, yes, yes. Yeah, about, yeah, you have nursery rhymes or you have the animals? Nursery rhymes also, both, both. Okay. Nursery rhymes are always the more uh, desirable. We talked about this a couple of years ago. The only country that these were available in was in Canada. Right. I okay. do remember you mentioning these, yes. Yeah. So around the world... People collect Wade figurines. They collect them as figurines, and they collect nursery rhymes. The most expensive one, the best one, is a, is a gingerbread man. Okay, because two reasons. Because his arms used to break off all the time. Yeah. Lewis, you got a gingerbread man? I believe so, yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. See? Now, on these figures, as a complete set, it used to sell for about 150 In today's market, they sell for about $75 a complete set. The other ones are the animals. And they sell for about $50, $60, okay? And you can also, if you're missing ones, if you want to make sets up, you can get, like I say, going back to Southwest Antique Mall, there, I know there's 10 people there who sell them. So, in a key, and in this case here, they'll sell better as a set than individually. A set, okay. Okay. Wait, Lewis, now, how many sets do you have? Yeah, it sounds like you have quite a collection. Set. Hello? Lewis, how many, how, many, how many sets do you have? 
How many sets? What's considered a set? I don't know. If, uh, yeah, Paul, what's a complete set of these I things? About 12 or 10? Uh, there are a few rhymes. There's about 15 or 20 in, in uh, the animals. 15 or 20? There's a Attic list. Here, sorry. If you go online, um, you'll be able to see a list of these. You call them, you, but they're listed as weighed uh, nursery rhyme figurines. And mainly because the people collect these because they're made by a top potter in England. These are made by Wade potters in England. All right. And people collect Wade world. Oh, wait. So, wait, Paul, give me the story here. So, I buy a box of red rose tea and they send me a figurine. Does it hold the string on the tea bag? I mean, do they have any purpose or are they just. No, no, it's just a giveaway. This is. And again, I go back to the. Be- like, baseball cards were not the item in the... They were there to sell gum. The baseball card is a premium. The Wade figurines were a premium. They were just put in with the tea bags. okay? They also had little uh, cards in them. They had different things. Now, they probably they ran the, the cards for about 10 years, and uh, people collected them all, but there was 48 in the set. So if you only get one in each box, you're going through an awful lot of tea. So they were actually trying to appeal to women rather than men, I think when they went with these old figurines. Okay, okay, good stuff, good stuff. Another mystery solved. We'll say goodbye yep. to Lewis in Toronto on line two, and we'll say hello to Anne in King City. She's on line three. Anne, how are you? Welcome to Consignment Heroes. Hello, yes, hello. Um, my family has an old Admiral television set. It's um, taller than it is wide or deep. It's all tubes. It still works. It's, I believe, made in Canada. Bakelite dials. And a great radio. Um, it opens up. So it's closed when you don't want to see the screen. And uh, we were wondering, uh, my brother and I, what uh, what year it might have been made or, or how much it might be worth as it is. You yeah, we don't tell by the number, but the real true expert for this, and he's not on the radio with us today, is the owner of the station, and Ben knows this. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a TV museum here that is world class. Well, I'm surprised that not more people come down. He doesn't really advertise against that much. But this TV museum he's got here, he's got pieces that a lot of people would die for. And it's actually worth it just to see. But he'd be the expert. He says that TVs made before World War II are particularly valuable. Right. Now, you'd be able to tell probably there might be some registration numbers on the back or uh, patent numbers. The patent numbers will generally tell you what year it's out of or help tell. Okay. Okay. And the style of it. Okay, and the first TV sets didn't look like TVs. If you've got a radio with it already, you're probably talking late 50s, maybe early uh, 50s. They're still desirable because we use them as props. Um, without seeing a picture, which you can send off, and I'm going to say this slowly, the sales at torontogoldsilver.com. Anyone can do this. They can send me off pictures. This week I'll be less busy than last week. Last week I'm going to get to people. But if you send off your picture of your item, I will try and get back to you and tell you what I think the value is. Okay? Because right. just saying something is old doesn't help me a whole lot. That's why we actually do the reference work, and we'll go and look at the patent numbers. We'll look at the style. We'll look at exactly what kind of plastic is used, and we'll tell how old it is. Okay? Well, I'm a metallurgist. Probably I a couple hundred dollars. Pardon? <laughs> I said, as a metallurgist, I can tell you that plastic is Bakelite. Um, okay. The old brown. Um, and uh, it's like oak cabinet. But um, thank you very much. I'll, I'll 
um, this show has piqued my curiosity about that old television. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> and here at the Zoomerplex, where we're broadcasting live from, we do have the, uh, you know, there's a TV museum that's quite impressive. I mean, it, among the collection is some of the rarest and original TVs on the face of the earth. We have a TV right from Elvis Presley's house. We have Marilyn Monroe's bedside table TV on display. <laughs> So there is certainly an expert on campus that can tell you exactly what it's worth. But, you know, if it was something that was mass produced, especially a model that was super popular, it might not be worth a lot of money. But this is when I say uh, if you're looking to get rid of it and you want it to find a good home, you can certainly I mean, I would never encourage you to just get a dolly and leave it in one of the uh, front lobbies of the building. But it would be a good home here. I happen to have a good friend who left a beautiful vintage radio and he goes, well, I'm not going to use it. I- I'd rather it be on display somewhere at the Zoomer campus than, you know, in my basement collecting dust for the next 25 years. So it was a donation wow. thing. But you can leave your name. Who knows? You might end up with a placard, say, donated by Anne in King City. Who knows? <laughs> well, I-, I have a memory watching when I shouldn't have been. I went snuck into my parents' bedroom and watched the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, and I did have nightmares. So I, I do have a memory with this television. My mother wanted to get it and make it a liquor cabinet. But since we no, don't no, no, don't do that. No, no, <laughs> no sorry, you just hurt me. <laughs> Absolutely, it didn't happen. And uh, I'm surprised that the tubes are still working. To be honest, I don't know if we can get them anymore, but... Yeah, it, well, probably the cost of getting them and installing them and getting everything working again. I mean, this is why you need an expert probably at a yeah. museum, but it won't be worth it for them to buy it. But I'm saying if you want it to have a future... Sure. And again, I'm not advocating everyone listening just, to, you know, again, show up with a truck and a dolly and start dropping <laughs> off your old TVs and radios. But at the same time, I don't think you're going to get charged with trespassing because they'll, they'll probably find either parts to make it work or use parts from it to put something on display. All right. Well, thank you for the idea. Again, yeah. I don't want to speak out of turn, but if you have, uh, you know, an old collectible radio or TV, its natural home is probably the TV museum here. And, uh, yeah, don't get me fired to just dump off, you know, your TV from the 90s. It's got to be something that's nice. Anyway. Yeah. And thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Our next caller is Jack in Mississauga. Jack, how are you? Hello. Hey, welcome to the show. You're live on Zuma Radio. What do you got? My... Mother, bless her soul, between 1940 and 1950, collected salt and pepper shakers. Cool. Okay. And they're, they're not anything like the modern stuff, but, you know, there's a couple of animals, a windmill, et cetera, et cetera. But the, my favorite one was Mr. A Peanut and Mrs. Peanut yep. in the classic pose with the cane in the top hat. Is anyone yeah, looking or anything like ceramic. that? Sorry. Paul, could you please focus on the show? What are you doing over there? Business? Come on. No, no. I said, is it a hard plastic or a ceramic? Oh. I'm concentrating. I'm okay. Out I'm out of there now. Okay. Too many people ask me questions what I'm doing over there. Okay. <laughs> I'm walking around the parking lot. No, sorry. Okay, so he's got salt and pepper shakers. What was the story yeah. with him? Sorry, Jack? Between 1940 and 50, my mom collected them. There's about a dozen pair uh, animals, windmill, but my favorite was Mr. Mr. Peanut and Mrs. Peanut in the, yeah, yeah. You know, in the classic position with the top hat. Anyone looking for anything like that? Yeah, no, salt and pepper shakers sell them in quantities. There's less people collecting them today. That would be, they're worth about $15. Generally, um, the salt and peppers that sell will be a character like um, Aunt Jemima salt and peppers, Colonel Sanders, anything that's uh, Mickey Mouse, any kind of character ones. Mm-hmm. Sell better because what you do then is you have a cross collector, not just a salt and pepper collector, but the person who collects uh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So then yeah, you've got, gotcha. that's how you get rising prices on this because you have two competing groups for the same salt and pepper, okay? 
Sometimes okay. that's what happened. Like, so if you happen to have a Mickey Mouse there, you got them from the 30s, they can be worth two, three hundred dollars. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, one more thing, Paul. Yeah. Anyone looking for Fiesta wear? Fiesta wear still sells, and I think they've reproduced it. And yeah, uh, Fiesta wear that is uh, um, that's the Homer Laughlin stuff. Yeah, and it, as long as it's not all along knife, knife marks, no chips, no cracks, no crazy. That sounds good. Thanks for the help. Okay. Wait, did you have a dollar value for that, Paul? Oh, on the salt and pepper, he's fifteen dollars. Now, uh, on that, if he's got a total collection, say he's got two hundred of them, three hundred, it's better to keep them as a collection to sell them that way, so not to sell them individually. Okay. Even when we get salt and peppers, we put them on lots of twenty or thirty at a time, um, and we keep it that way because then it works. Ends up being seventy-five, eighty-five, ninety-five dollars. I'm actually, Paul, I'm actually surprised to hear that the salt and pepper shaker collector market isn't more voracious because, like, they haven't changed in a couple hundred years. You know what I mean? It's not like now, uh, you know, a drone comes and puts salt and pepper on your food. You think there would be a much stronger market for famous salt and pepper shakers. Is there a Stradivarius of salt and pepper shakers? No, it'd have to be something like character that was either, here's what would happen. If something was not approved, they made into salt and pepper. It was partially distributed, and the people who own the rights to that product say, no, you can't do it, like they did with the owner's Wagner card. Uh, and then they had to pull it off the market, and then everyone would want the thing that they, can't, that they cannot have. That's just basic collecting psychology. But I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, I can, you can point to $1,000 plates. A one plate yeah. worth $1,000, a tea set worth $1,000, silverware that's worth $500, a fork, a knife, a spoon, but there's no salt and pepper shaker market? Isn't there an Ainsley of salt and pepper shakers or something like that? No, no, you know, not really. Uh, I think I just found my future, high-end salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. No, Gold. You know, what does sell is the old sterling where you had the salt in a little, um, in a little pot, in a salt pot with a salt spoon made out of sterling out of 1840, 1850, with a pepper shaker at that time. They, I've seen sets of four of those go for seven, eight, nine hundred dollars Interesting. If it was made by a major maker like Tiffany or Christoffel, it would be worth even more. All right, all right. Okay. Our next caller is on line three. His name is uh, Don, and he's calling from Sutton. Don, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, you. Paul, I was in your store maybe a month and a half ago with a book we hope was uh, signed by Robert Kennedy. I was wondering if you had looked into that and found out any more information. I was hoping you'd call me back before the show because the people who are praising it, who would be able to authenticate, are here this weekend. We oh, mentioned darn. last week that uh, JSA is actually here. Now, they'll be back again three months from now. Okay. But they would, with something like this, and I say this over, is you can have a value, and this is how we help people. We not only tell you the value, we tell you how to get the most money for it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a John F. Kennedy, the thing is to get it, have a letter of authenticity with it so that yes. you can get the most money for it. And that really, or some provenance. Now, you can have your story, but you have to remember, we're dealing with the third world. Third, we sell stuff around the world. They want to know who I am or who this person is selling it. They want to have a third person authenticating it. Okay. And that's where you get your money from, because okay. it's just you selling John F. Kennedy. I mean, uh, Robert Kennedy with his story. Yes, we'll get a hundred to three hundred dollars with a letter that's guaranteeing it. It might be five, six, seven hundred dollars. Oh, okay. So this is where um, 
the authentication matters. Okay, mm-hmm. if we're getting, and this is why a lot of what we do, I have a card collection right now that approximately one third of it is going to cost the gentleman $20,000 to grade it and authenticate it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So he's got high end stuff. But if he spends 20000 he'll end up with another 100000 Right. Now, what we did find was uh, a letter in the back that was written by Robert Kennedy's secretary, if you remember. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, author. Oh, I'm talking about the book anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so wait, give me. The, this is a Robert Kennedy book, and you're wondering if Robert Kennedy's autograph is authentic. Is the does? How did you get your hands on it? Is the fear that it's an auto pen signature? I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's very difficult because I've got quite a large library myself, and I was just looking through it a few months ago, and I came across the book. I have absolutely no idea where I got it. Oh, no, that, that helps with the province a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ended up in my living room. That's not a great story to track. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so no, that's why you're now you're going to have because when we sell stuff, we want to make sure it stays sold, and we have a reputation as well. So we would want to do the authentication on it, mm-hmm, and that yeah. way, because if I say it is that, someone's going to actually believe me. And two years down the road, since someone says no, that was signed by the secretary. Mm-hmm. Which happened a lot. Yeah, I was just going to say that era is famous for this, right? So if you have a note from the secretary, I'd say that's almost a that's a that's a mark in the uh oh column because it's probably auto pen or the or the secretary signed it herself in to look like her boss. Yeah, well, that's what Paul and I were wondering ourselves yeah. when we did look at uh, the signature. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I guess the well, best bet is just for me to hold on and try to get in touch with this person when he comes back in about three more months. That would be the best. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't overemphasize this. I once had a photo to King Edward VIII, who lived next door to John F. Kennedy in Florida, where the family <laughs> spread there. Mm-hmm. I would think that it would have been an authentic autograph. It was a secretary. I wow. And I found that out afterwards, you know. Mm-hmm. So they even did it to their friends because they have such a busy schedule. Yeah. Politicians okay. in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it's totally commonplace. The secretary mm-hmm. is the actual autography. Or, or, yeah. Um, yeah. Don, thank you so much for your phone call. That's great. Thanks very much. You're listening to Consignment Heroes. We're live on Zoomer Radio. And Paul Kenny, the star of the show and the expert who has found fame and fortune dealing in stuff, he is at the Sport Sports Card Expo at the International Center by the airport. And uh, ironically, that guy, I guess he didn't get the note from last week, that if he came to the show, he probably could have got somebody to look at this thing in person on the spot. That's what you were alluding to, right? Yeah, and that's why people have to listen every week. (laughs) Fair enough, yeah. Because there's a couple big names uh, that that do autograph authentication on the spot there. Who are they? Uh, Jim Spence is the, is the big one that's here. I don't recommend any some of the Canadian ones. Even though I'm a Canadian, I love Canada. I would never move to the United States, but the, the most recognized authenticators are from the United States. And since our idea here is to make sure it gets authenticated, plus to be able to sell it the most money, I recommend Jim Spence. Yeah, I get that, though. If, if, if you're an American buying it and it was authenticated by a Canadian, that's kind of troublesome because you're not going to, yeah. if it's wrong, you're not going to fly into the country just to give them hell, right? You want an American to say yes, that it's yeah. what no, it says it's it is. It's got to be recognized by eBay or by the people that, like I say, well, we want to sell it and make sure it stays sold. Fair you enough. Know. Fair enough. Uh, if you have a rare, interesting item, maybe you have uh, gold or silver, or necklaces, jewelry, costume jewelry, 
Fine china set, plates, tea sets, silverware, figurines, sports cards, autograph, other sports memorabilia, antique televisions, radios, record players, uh, whether it's old vintage toys, jewelry, coins, anything you have lying around you think might have some special value, you can call this show right now and get an expert to give you an assessment. Our number is 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. We'll be right back. Your collection of old coins is worth exactly what someone is willing to pay for it. The highest paid prices for old silver coins and gold jewelry are at Toronto Gold, Silver and Coins. So the only number you should have in your head is this one. 905-737-GOLD. Toronto Gold, Silver and Coins buys and sells. So what does a bar of bullion go for these days? Wrong question. What's it going for right now? For up-to-the-minute prices, call 905-737-GOLD. Hi, Paul Kenny here, Consignment Hero. Boxes are truly amazing things. They come in all shapes and sizes, and they do a remarkable job of storing your stuff. And the folks at Mississauga Cartons know how important it is to find the right box. For over 35 years, they've provided thousands of satisfied customers with a wide range of packaging, boxes, and shipping materials. I use them. So should you. Mississauga Cartons. Check them out at mississaugacartons.com and be a hero like me. Welcome back to Consignment Heroes on Zuma Radio. This show goes on for another 15 minutes, but after, after that, if you have uh, an item that you'd like Paul to look at, you can visit him at his store. It's located at 10,341 Young Street. So that's in Richmond Hill, right on Young Street, just north of Major McKenzie, 10,341 Young Street. The store's phone number, you can call and do business during regular work week hours, is 905-737-GOLD. That's 905-737-4653. Hey, Paul, remember we had a call? I was curious. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not in studio, otherwise I would have asked you this in the commercial break. Remember that guy who called in? He said he's having some health problems, but he has 500 mannequins, some of them vintage and collectible, up in trailers in Perry Sound. Did you ever get in touch with that guy? No, I'm planning on this week. Because last week, with this show coming up, I have too much stuff going on. Okay. And just, that is um, a day killer, as I call it. It's going to, <laughs> yeah. I can't give it a short shift. It's going to be like... And I can't say, oh, I didn't know you had this many. But you guys, you guys did, many. you swapped info. Okay, so I look forward to what happens with the 500 vintage mannequins. I just wanted to follow up for my own entertainment. If I call, if I come in one day bent over, looks like I've done an awful lot of work, you'll know that I contacted them and I lifted them all individually. Well, if you can, bring one in so we can show the, the viewers that are watching online uh, through the Zoomer website. Our next caller is Margaret in Thornhill. Margaret's on line one. Uh, hi. Uh, I guess we got cut off. Um, apparently, I want to ask you a few questions. I have a few things here. Sure. I have, uh, I have three pictures of uh, the Blue Boy. Remember when they had to go to the Tower of London? Yeah, yeah. Is that worth any money? No. Uh, they're very nice decorative. If you had the original. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're very well kept. My mother-in-law, I mean, uh, she passed away a few years ago, and she had it in the early century, and uh, I got a lot of her stuff. Sorry, guys, so, I missed this whole conversation. What is a blue boy? What are you guys talking about? Blue boy would be a, he'd be standing, one blue boy, he was dressed in blue, standing up, a young boy, and probably one of, the, one of those pictures has been reproduced many times in the 60s. It just gives you a nice feeling. So it's a picture and poster it, or something like that? It's um, it was, just a famous painting that oh, they reproduced. Okay. Cool. That was it. And it's um, uh, it's worth, if it's in a nice frame, yeah. then you can sell the frame. 
that's what happens. A lot of this stuff was we'll take them. It'll be a nice print. I've got to have this house I'm doing right now is 100 prints in it and 100 good frames. And I'm valuing it for the frames only. Oh, you're thinking about talking about the frames. Uh Uh Yeah, no, that's what happens a lot. Like, you know those old gold Uh frames that are like three inches thick and they got flowers and curly things all over the place? Oh, you're kidding. Those Uh kind of frames are very much in vogue. Now, always, it'll cost you $100 to fix them, but they they can be two, three, four hundred dollars $400 just for the frame. I do not care what's inside. Like, we Uh sold a picture in one of our last auctions. It's a five dollar picture and a two hundred and sixty dollar frame. So this uh, is yeah, I can understand. You know what? Um, I had a, a my mother in law before she passed away. She gave me uh, two frames, one with her grandfather in it, and one with with her husband on it. And apparently, my son took it away from me. They were you can't get them because my cousin uh, in California said that you can't get any of those frames. She's been trying to get them, and they don't sell them or, or they don't have them. And she was trying to get the frames for my mother-in-law, but apparently I gave it to my son. And they're the wooden frames, you know, the round yeah, no. wooden, the big ones. Yeah, they sell, because they can't make them in China. That's why. It's not worth it to make them in China. The frames are worth the money. Interesting. Margaret, did you have something else you had a question about? Canada. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay, forget about that. What about, uh, I have uh, a silver plate. Silver. Yes, we everyone in 1960 when you got married uh, got silver plates. They got tea sets, they got trays, they yeah, got I condiment had tea sets. sets. I got married in '56. I had my wedding gift here, which I've never yeah. used a tea set. No one ever uses silver them. on it, huh? Yeah, the only time you take it out is when the people who gave it to you come over to visit, and you have to show that you appreciate their gift. And you put it on the main table, and when they leave, you put it back in the closet, and so you yeah, don't have yeah, to yeah. It. But I've been traveling a lot, and it's sitting in my showcase. And I've got okay. some plates that are Staffordshire, very expensive plates, but the other family was wanting when my mother-in-law passed away, but we got it. Yep. The silver plate we buy by the pound. We do not care if it's monogrammed, but if you have sterling mixed in with it, we obviously pay more. Like we're paying around 53 cents a gram. Now, you mentioned that 53 cents. It doesn't seem like a lot, but there's other places that are trying to buy it for 25 and 30 cents. And if you have a thousand grams, that can be an extra two hundred dollars in your pocket by the gram. And but the silver plate we buy by the pound and we buy we do not it usually ends up a hundred pounds will we'll give you about three hundred dollars for it. If it's a hundred pounds. So wait, so Paul, slow down. Because when you're saying yes, she's saying silver plates, but what you're yeah. talking about is silver plated plates. So you could yeah, have well, a sterling plate, plate, which would be ninety two point five percent silver, yeah. and that would be a silver plate. But then you can have a plate that's just coated in silver. That would be a silver-plated plate. Sorry, I misunderstood. See, okay. No, I'm trying to understand. Is that who's on first? Am I getting this right or no? Uh, No, it's a silver plate, but I clean it with the silver polish. I know, but is your silver plate plated in silver or is it 92.5 percent sterling silver? Oh, I don't know. uh, So that would be the difference between between a silver plate and a silver-plated plate. See, that's I don't you know, need but I, I should polish it because it gets black. Well, you oh, should definitely no. find out if it's silver plate or uh-huh. silver plated yeah. plate. Yeah. How would I do that? There's nothing written on it saying it's silver or whatever. If you turn it over, if it's it should say sterling. If it's if it's uh, if it's sterling silver, does that I make see, sense, Paul? Uh-huh. Yeah. The I feel like I'm in a vortex of my own thoughts, just saying silver yeah. over and over again. Yeah. No. There's 
on the that's why people bring it in one lady one sparse in a bunch of boxes she ends up thought it was all silver plate which she's going to get three four hundred dollars for and ended up being seven thousand dollars in sterling okay. gotcha which is still silver so those are still more silver. authentic yeah. silver plates as opposed to silver plated plate which is what she thought yeah. she had right yeah bring it in we can we will tell you the difference if something's sterling or if it's plated we will tell you we buy both we just pay a lot more for most for the sterling where some dealers won't even tell you they'll say okay yeah we'll take it but we tell you the difference we try and be completely transparent in our store and say here's what this is worth we'll pay you this for it here's what this is worth we'll pay you that for it okay, okay we are f- some people don't know the difference we appreciate that it is our business to know Okay, speaking of silver and its different levels yep. of purity, our next caller is Don in Toronto. He's on line, line three. Don, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, would you like a song with the word rain in it or what, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I would if you have one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Don, uh, you know, Don and Helen, we call in on your show. Oh, hey, Don, how you doing? Is that Don? Yeah. Just say famous Don, sure. Okay, I have between 15 and 20 uh, one of each year. I didn't pull them all out. Uh, they're five dollar silver coins, mm-hmm. one ounce from uh, the eighties and nineties with the maple leaf on them. Yep, they started around nineteen eighty nine or eighty eight, and come and it's still issued today. Now most of them are just worth the silver, which is going to be twenty two dollars an ounce. But if you have ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, and ninety seven. They only need about 100,000 100, those years, 100,000 to 400,000. So those are actually considered rare because last year they made almost 30 million of them. Okay? Right. These are called, we're called silver maples. And these are good anywhere in the world. If someone wants to come into our store and wants to buy silver, we tell them to buy the silver maples. We pay a little bit more in a premium, like $2, $3 over spot. But which is the $22, but 10 years from now, you know what you've got is 999 pure silver, and you can sell it anywhere. That's the best thing about it. These things are like, they are truly money. They're silver, and they got a value on them, okay? Yeah, yeah. the $5 stamped on it is a total misnomer, because it, yeah. you're talking about um, when we make silver maples in Canada or gold maples in Canada they they are very they are the maximum purity that any government would yeah. ever issue so they are 99.99 purity both the gold yeah. and the silver and the silver especially that's more pure than even you know the walking liberty uh pure yeah. silver in the states by maybe uh four one hundredths of a percent but it matters that's why you're saying they're good around the world highly collectible the question is don how long have you owned them and why didn't you sell uh you know uh, five or ten years ago when it peaked at $40 an ounce. No, I don't know. I have so many coins here, it's unbelievable. But these are the complete silver maple leaf collection. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it is 99.99. Yeah. And I don't I, know. That... I have the paper, the certificate of uh, authenticity. Yeah. Well, you know, you can sell good. them now or hang on to them. I'm sure there'll be another market crash in the near future, and then they'll go through the roof in value again. Okay, because I even got a, a set of coins... The penny, nickel, all the way up uh, from 1902. Oh, okay. Which is all framed and hasn't been touched. I, I wasn't sure if that was worth much or... Uh, if they're framed, here's the problem. If it's like framed, it's in the case, a company... touched. Okay. Yeah, but they were touched from the guys who... Here's the problem. The guys who made those made them up a souvenir type of thing. Okay. And they would from clean the them before... The one thing you cannot do to a coin that destroys its value 
is clean it. And what they do is they polish them to make them look shiny. So people say, oh, these look really good. And they buy them. And they look good on the wall, but numismatically, they're not any good anymore. They're, they're worth not, shouldn't say, they're worth less than they would be as numismatic. I would much rather, if you have coins, never clean them. Please don't do it. Number one, it takes you time to do it. Number two, you're wrecking your value. Okay, as I say this week after week, more, more damage is done in the, when someone's cleaning something. Someone's, just, someone's in a closet for 45 years. They find, oh, i got to clean it before I show it to Paul. Right. That's when they've done the damage. Fair enough. Okay. Don, thank you so much for your phone call. And our next caller is going to be Mary. She's calling from Durham. Mary, how are you? Fine, thank you. What do you have? I have uh, salt and pepper uh, shakers uh, with the mother of pearl on the uh, tops. They're yep. crystal. Now we're and talking. Pearl. And I have um, two pastels that go with it. And I have candlesticks to match and the salt dish with the spoon. Are they sterling or are they plated? Now, there won't be a lot of sterling. The ones that are crystal, These and underneath are the mother tiny. of pearl. This miniature. They're, they're not full size. I know, but the, the, the little part that holds the mother of pearl on the top is yes. usually made out of sterling. Okay, and they're not a lot of sterling. They sell between 10 and $20 a pair. Really? You're, yeah. I don't sell you as many as you want at that price. They're On the tar- other side of it... They're tarnished, so I would think they're uh, silver. Yeah, that's a good, good yeah, piece of evidence good. to consider, yeah. They're from You're, Burke's Jewelers. They're yeah, about 100 well, years old. Yeah, no, no, that'd be right. If they're cut crystal, if they're cut crystal, and I would be able to recognize this, if it's made by, uh, say, Hawks or Clapperton, and we know who made it, it can have a little bit of added value because some people call the American Brilliant Period cut crystal. That's yes. where when you pick it up, it's sharp on your fingers. Yes. Like you can feel it in your fingers. Yes. So you yes, can't you grab can. it too sharp because it's not smooth at all. No. Your candlesticks depends if they're weighted or if they're pure. Now, on the bottom, you might see it'll say weighted. It may be from Burks. They'll say sterling on the bottom, and, and it might say they're weighted crystal. as well. They're not uh, silver. Pardon? They're not silver? The candlesticks are, are, are crystal to match the set. It's a whole set. Oh! Well, then if it's turn of the century, that could be very good. I'd like to see that. If they're early. If they're Mary, early, they're did you just like heard that? that noise that Paul made? That sounded like a good noise. Yes, it so did. So matching <laughs> crystal candlesticks and salt and pepper shakers from turn yes. of the century. Yeah, with the uh, crystal uh, pestles. And, and a little salt dish. Paul, remember, the edging by the mother of pearl is tarnished, indicating silver. Like you were yeah. saying, it'd be good news. I like and this the, item. Even the, the little spoon for the salt is tarnished, too. Silver spoon to boot. Back, but I can't read it. All right, yeah. well, we are out of time, so Mary, I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, Paul, you, you guys will exchange numbers, I guess, after the show, but that's one where okay. we probably want a picture. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you can take a picture, you can just uh, grab it with your phone and send it directly to sales at torontogoldsilver.com. Send the actual email to this address, sales at torontogoldsilver.com. That goes for anybody, whether you've got an old combo TV radio set that's vintage and you're curious about it, send it to sales at torontogoldsilver.com. Paul, we're out of time. I can't believe how the time flew by. This is unbelievable. I want I want people to go to Southworks this week, before Mother's Day, and say that Paul sent you. 
So, I mean, that, that's the only way I don't know they actually listen to the show. How's that? <laughs> Did you meet any Zoomer listeners at this show? Oh, yes, a lot of them came in. I've given, I've given away a couple of billion dollars and signed notes to people. In, no, in defunct very- currency you've given them. Yes, I understand. Yes. They think they're millionaires. Don't tell them. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to Consignment Heroes on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with Paul Kenny, you have an estate sale or an item you'd like to take to his store. The store is located at 10,341 Young Street in Richmond Hill. That's 10,341 Young Street in Richmond Hill. You can call the store during regular workweek hours, 905-737-GOLD. That's 905-737-4653. Special thanks to show producer Sebastian Hearn. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.